When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monday matinees begin right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. And welcome to Sonic Society Season 12, Episode 523. I'm Jack Ward, remembering my favorite shows this season. And I'm here with, of course... David Alt. Yes. Oh, it feels like every season is chock full of brand new companies and new shows, doesn't it? I'm always amazed at the new projects, new mm. companies, and brand new favorites of some of our favorite groups. Yes, true. This year we saw lots of highs, mm. and some lows too. The loss of Bill Holwig, the end of Blackjack Justice and the Red Panda. But a lot of new podfics and productions like The Grey Area, Mystic River, and not to mention a plethora of remakes and releases for EVP. And we even had our 500th episode, and all of the wonderful things that uh, people said about us. That was really good. Well said, and tonight's finale of Season 12 marries our love of new audio drama with our affection for the old, as Radio Theatre Project brings us their H.B. Piper collection with Edge of the Knife and Expedition on Mars. And it all begins right here on the Sonic Society. Future Past, stories adapted for radio from the golden age of science fiction. In 1957, H. Beam Piper, the writer of muscular science fiction, wrote his first short story in his Tarot-Human Future History series. In this story, he has a professor of history calculating the future. No one wants to listen. Here's Edge of the Knife, adapted for radio by Barry M. Putt, Jr. The current war in the Middle East has been going on for five years now. It's going to lead to Khalid Ibn Hussein's assassination. Professor, Professor, when will that happen? I don't know exactly. A couple weeks, maybe. It will occur in Basra. He will be shot by a religious fanatic named Mohammed Nourid. Nourid will then be stoned to death by an angry crowd. What's going on? Uh, are you going to tell the authorities? No, it's bigger than that. They won't be able to stop it. Well, well who told you? Well, nobody. I figured it out my... Don't worry about it, guys. That's all for today. Good morning, Marjorie. Hello, Professor Chalmers. I put your mail on your desk. Thank you. Is Leonard in? I haven't seen him. Good. Then I'll have the office to myself. Did they give you a bad time again in Modern 4? I gave myself a bad time. It can happen to the best of them, sir. It sure can. <sighs> yes? Professor Chalmers, I had a question uh, about class today. Sure. What is it? 
I am very curious in how you knew so much about the uh, assassination. I am a history professor. But there was no mention of any potential threat on the news. Well, scholars have great resources. Better than the news. Oh. Was there anything else? Mm, no. Well, I will see you in class on Wednesday, then. Yeah. Sure. Hey, Leonard. Coffee machine broke again, I see. It wouldn't kill him to get a decent vending machine for the faculty lounge. You'd say that again. Hey, you free to go to dinner tonight, Ed? Uh, my wife would love you to come over and join us. I'd like to, really, but I have a lot of work to do on this new theory I'm developing. Well, how about a rain check, then? Definitely. I'll be looking forward to it. <laughs> so will we. Morning, Marjorie. Is Leonard in our office? Hello, Professor Chalmers. No, Mr. Handley is not in at this time. Good. I'm running a little late. I'll check in with you later to see if there are any messages. Certainly, sir. But before you go, I want to let you know that Dr. Whitburn just phoned. Did he say what it was about? No. Only that he wants to see you at your earliest convenience. All right. Thank you. I guess I'll go now. Morning, Dr. Whitburn. Nice touch putting a plant in the corner. Really brightens up your office. Hmm. I don't suppose you realized the full effect of your performance the other day in Modern History 4? It was no big deal. I had to suppress an editorial in the black and green that criticized your teaching methods and by implication the administration of this college. You know, if the students who edit the school newspaper are dissatisfied with things, they should be allowed to say so. Freedom of the press, you know. I think you'd be grateful that I squashed that article. It questioned your sanity. It's nothing to worry about. I've been preoccupied lately trying to project present trends into the future. I should have kept it separate from my classes, but you How know many incidents like this are you going to have at this school? After the first few, I assumed you were overworked. But this is the limit. I am compelled to request your resignation. <laughs> I have a tenure contract with the college that you signed. In case you forgot... Insanity is a great reason to void a contract. <laughs> and you're willing to testify in court that for the past 12 years, you've had an insane professor on staff. Uh, are you trying to blackmail me? It isn't blackmail to tell a man that a bomb he's going to drop will blow up in his face. Ridiculous. You know, there's nothing else, sir. I do have papers to grade. Good day. Hello, Marjorie. Is Leonard in? Not yet. If he comes in, tell him I need our office on a private matter. Hello, Jennifer. Ed, good to hear from you. How's the teaching biz? That's actually why I'm calling. I need some legal advice. I don't want to talk about it over the phone, though. Are you free for lunch? Sure, just name the place. You say Whitburn's trying to force you to resign? What's he think he's got on you? Well, he thinks I'm crazy. Why? Because I came up with a way to predict future world history. What, is that some sort of a parlor trick? No. It's the real deal. What makes you think it just isn't coincidence? It's based on a mathematical formula that combines past history with the probability of a similar event occurring again. Uh, it sounds like there's a lot of room for uncertainty. I wasn't entirely sure about the accuracy of it myself until I predicted the Kilroy Mars landing last month. Still, your theory isn't based on proven knowledge that something's going to happen before it actually does. No, that's not important. The present is just a moving knife edge that separates the past and the future. Most people think they know only the present. What they actually know is the past. 
The difference with my theory is that it enables me to determine what's on both sides of the knife edge. Well, what do you want me to do? Whitberg's talking about voiding my tenure contract, and I'd like you to defend it. Have you discussed this with anyone else? No. Then how'd Whitburn get a hold of it? <sighs> I slipped up during a lecture in class and he heard about it. The best thing you can do now is keep your nose clean. Oh, I will. Just some friendly advice. Stop trying to pursue this theory. It's dangerous. You think I'm crazy, too? No, but you're dealing with something you don't understand. The deeper you delve into it, the greater the risks become. My theory has merit, Jen. Look at the Kilroy. Well, there's been some talk about that occurring for years. Even so, I predicted it, and it happened, didn't it? No, yeah, but it could have been a coincidence. Maybe. Right now, what I want to know is if you'll represent me in case Whitburn takes us to court and tries to avoid my contract. Certainly. <sighs> Thank you. Hey, Ed, where are you off to in such a hurry? Yeah, I'm trying to escape Whitburn's madness. <laughs> it's his madness, not yours. I wish I'd done something like you did to Whitburn years ago. Think he's going to give you any real trouble? I doubt it. Well, I'm on your side if he does, and I won't be the only one. Thanks. I don't think there'll be any more trouble, though. Good morning, Professor Chalmers. Good morning. You okay? Yeah. I didn't get much sleep last night. Sorry to hear that. Did you see today's paper? Uh, let me see. Khalid Ibn Hussein assassinated. What? Leader of Islamic Caliphate, shot to death in Basra, fanatic identified as an Egyptian named Muhammad Nureed, stoned to death by a mob. <laughs> At least this will put an end to the craziness that began in modern four. It's history now. It certainly is. Dr. Whitburn sent word that he'd like to see you again. Okay. Thanks. Back I go again, into the lion's den. Have you seen the article on the Hussein assassination? Well, of course. It's a fact of history now. So, that's your attitude. I suppose you intend to exploit it. The involvement of Blandley College in this sensationalism means nothing to you, I presume. What are you talking about? The local newspaper? The Valley Times? No, I haven't mentioned it to anybody except my attorney. I suppose I'm expected to take your word for that. Unless you think I'm a liar. If you say you haven't talked with them, I believe you. Still, somebody has. A reporter was here not 20 minutes ago asking questions. What did you tell him? I called the owner of the paper and asked him to suppress the story. He laughed at me. <laughs> Newspaper people don't like to be told to kill stories. You don't actually believe that this theory of yours works, do you? That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It may be an emerging idea, but it is not ridiculous. Good Lord, man. You are crazy. No, sir. I am not. Good day. I'm glad this school day's over, Leonard. You can say that again, but don't change the subject, Ed. There's no way your theory can be dismissed so easily. That's what Whitford's trying to do. If he does, he's a fool. Hey, Tom. How's it going with those terrors and trig? Challenging. But they're not half as interesting as what's going on with you. How does it work? I want to know the details. Work? Out with it, man. Inquiring minds want to know. Did you give that story to the Valley Times? Why, of course. Why, you... Easy now. Easy, easy. You don't want to go to jail for knocking a guy out. Yeah, I won't. Smith... You could have at least told me that the story came out. I I'm on your side, man. I worked in mathematical theory for years until I took on a professorship here. And fortunately, that Whitburn's so single-minded that I had to give it up. Well, I'm glad we see eye to eye, anyway. 
Did you do anything else besides hand this story to the paper? Uh, no, that's all. I did it to create some public interest in an important topic. Well, you sure got your publicity. I'm up to my neck in it. Look at all those reporters standing out there, just waiting to pounce on me. <laughs> You'll be fine if you use the back door. I don't know. It looks pretty chancy out there. Uh, that area near the fence looks deserted. As soon as I step outside, they'll head over. Security will detain them long enough for you to get away. Oh, I hope you're right. All right. Good luck, Ed. There he is. That's far enough. This is private property. Let's head across the street and see if we can... Oh, no. He's getting away. What do you have, mister? Toast and coffee, please. Sure thing. Hello, Professor Chalmers. May I join you? Has everybody gone batty in this town? Have a seat. I don't know, Marjorie, but they seem to think I have. They're fools. I have a friend in San Diego who knew Hussein. Said he was a great guy. Why would anybody want to kill a man like that? For power. A tragedy. Yes. Unfortunately, now there will be fighting all over the Middle East. It just feeds on itself. Exactly. Here's your food, sweetie. Thanks. You know, the scary thing about it is that it's only going to get worse over there. When it does, the U.S. will step in to help, but that will just complicate things, and then we'll really When will it end? I'm still trying to calculate that one out. It's too quiet in here. How about some TV? Basra, you can still see the stones that he was pelted at. Them people sure are crazy, ain't they? There's more to it than that. Hussein's murder was predicted one week ago by a history professor named Edward Chalmers. How could anybody know all that before it happened? The students in Professor Chalmers' class concocted the whole thing. It was a hoax, he says. Yep, I was right. He couldn't have known. So it continues. You got that right. Uh, miss, can I have the check, please? Sure, hon. Coming right up. Mr. Chalmers. Mr. Chalmers. Yes? I'm Erica Dayton from the show Evening Edition. My viewers want to know how you acquired your knowledge about Hussein's death. I cannot discuss the matter right now. I just had dinner. Now I'm going home. But did you tell your class Good night. Hello, Ed. Thanks for coming over. It's good to see a friendly face. Everywhere I go, people question me. I can't get away from it. The school attorney, Doris and Whitburn, want to meet with you in the morning. Does it ever end? Well, they want to determine whether or not you've had any advanced information on this. Oh, I hope we can get it straightened out because I have to go to Reno in two days to see a client. Yeah, I hope it gets straightened out as well. Don't do any more talking than you have to. Believe me, I won't. Good morning, Ms. Doris. Dr. Whitburn. This is my attorney, Jennifer Wheel. Hello. Thanks for coming to Whitburn's office to get things cleared up. Please sit down. Professor Chalmers, is it true that you predicted the death of Hussein in one of your classes? Yes. And the next day, Dr. Whitburn demanded my resignation because of it. What I'd like to know is why he denies saying that to me and why he accused my students of creating a hoax. My client has good case against Whitburn for libel. Dr. Whitburn, why did you make such statements to the press when you knew they were false? Well, I was trying to protect the college's reputation. I, I even squashed an article before it appeared in the campus paper. If you suppressed it, that means you knew what Professor Chalmers said in class. I knew he talked about an assassination. If something similar happened, what of it? Someone's always trying to off a foreign dictator. They can't miss all the time. You claim this was pure coincidence. Why not? I have signed depositions here from every student in Professor Chalmers' history class. They're all dated before the assassination. You know, I have had enough... Easy there. 
This is getting a bit out of hand. I'd like to hear Dr. Whitburn give a reason for his contradictory statements. Uh, are you implying that I'm a liar? I'm merely pointing out that you made conflicting statements. How could you do that knowingly and honestly? I thought some of Professor Chalmers' students cooked up a story about his insane meanderings for the school paper. I never dreamed a faculty member would disregard policy You couldn't imagine anyone with any more intellectual integrity than you have. That's ridiculous. I had a madman on my faculty, and I couldn't get rid of him. What do you mean? This wasn't his first episode. Before Hussein, he talked about a world-governing empire that was supposed to form in ten years. Another time, he insisted that life would be discovered on Mars within our lifetime. All unfounded things. I just wanted it to stop. I'm beginning to get the idea of what you have to deal with. Ah, uh, you're getting a distorted view then. My client has created a theory that predicts the probability of these events occurring. I know a lunatic when I see one. Are you an expert in abnormal psychology? No, of course not. But a sane person wouldn't come up with these things. Well, how do you know? If Professor Chalmers' sanity is at issue, let's consult somebody who specializes in insanity. I agree. Oh, for God's sake, man, sit down and shut up. It's the only way to settle this. Well, then, are you willing to submit to a psychiatric examination? Don't agree. You're putting your foot in a trap. Of course! As long as the examination is conducted by a properly qualified psychiatrist. Well, then, how about Dr. Hauseman at Northern State Mental Hospital? Certainly. I'll set it up. Good. Then there's nothing more to discuss, is there? No. Good day. Awfully quiet in your office. Is your secretary off today? Went home sick. Please, sit down. Oh, I hope you know what you've gotten yourself into. Hauserman is the state psychiatrist. If she gets the idea you aren't sane, she can commit you. You don't think she could be influenced, do you? She'll think this theory of yours is a classic case of schizoid delusion. You can forget about my damage suit bluff. It won't stand a chance in court. In spite of what happened to Hussein? Well, after Hauserman examines you, I won't stay in the same room with anyone who even mentions that name. Win or lose, I'm out of here tomorrow. Didn't you say you were going to Reno? Yep. Don't. There's going to be an explosion there. My calculations point to it happening in a few days. You sure hear the damnedest things in the legal profession. Good night, Professor, and try, for the sake of your harried lawyer, not to volunteer anything to Husserman. Just answer her questions. Let's go. Professor Chalmers, nice to meet you. Please, have a seat. Thank you. So, why did you request a psychiatric examination? I did not request it. I agreed to it after my sanity was questioned. Good distinction. And why was your sanity questioned? Because I came up with a theory that calculates the occurrence of future historic events. And you allowed yourself to get carried away with it and told your students about some of the results. Is that it? Uh, it's something like that. It is a sound theory, Doctor. I'm sure it is. What I don't understand, though, is how you can pinpoint an assassination as you have. It's all about the details. Muhammad is a common name. The Middle East is full of old U.S. weapons. Stoning is a traditional method of execution. You add up the number of times these things have occurred, then divide that number by the probability of a future event occurring. That gives you your answer, but there's a large range of inaccuracy within the calculations. I see. Well, you have no idea how disturbed I was when the Hussein incident happened exactly as I predicted it would. Then you don't believe your theory is reliable. Well, as I perfect it more, I'm beginning to, but it's still a work in progress. I'm amazed that Whitburn 
Let a thing like this grow to a proportion that it has. A good psychiatrist can never forget how sharp and fine the knife edge is. I didn't know surgeries were still performed in mental cases. Oh, not anymore. I meant another kind of knife edge. The thin line that separates sanity from non-sanity. I was ready to certify you mentally unsound and commit you. Until we spoke. Really? Yes. Hmm. Well, you know, when this body I'm wearing calculated the probability of the French Revolution occurring, I was in Paris. It was just a few weeks before the revolt broke out, you know. I was in Basra, too. I saw Hussein's assassination unfold in front of me. What do you mean? The theory I developed is highly classified, but it has made me universal, and that has enabled me to exist throughout all space and time. I've seen empires rise, galaxies crumble, stars... I just need to sign some forms here. What forms? You'll have to go away for a while, Professor. Oh, you mean to Northern State Mental? You've been working in overdrive. It's overwhelmed you. You mean, I'm nuts. Please, Professor, I deplore that sort of terminology. Ah, well, will I be able to have books and papers and work a little? I just couldn't bear to be completely idle, you know. That will be fine, as long as you don't work too hard. And could I say goodbye to some of my friends? Who? Well, Professor Handley and... Uh, He's outside now, and he was inquiring about you. And Jennifer Wheel, my attorney. She's not in town. She left almost immediately after... After Jennifer found out I was crazy for sure. Where did she go? Uh, To Reno. Sorry she couldn't stay. Can I see Leonard Handley alone? Of course. Ed, nobody can make me believe it. You're crazy. I don't believe it either, but don't tell anybody. This is just awful, Dad. This is just awful. Do you believe that my theory allowed me to deduce the probability of Hussein's assassination before it happened? Of course I do. Good. In a few days, there will be a bad explosion in Reno. That will prove the validity of my calculations. Remember what I told you about the Turks annexing Syria and Lebanon? Yeah, sure, I remember. When that happens, move to a town near the hospital. All right. Is something bad going to happen near Blenheim? Something very bad. Maybe even nuclear. That's why I started talking like a nut to Hauserman. Here's the key to my filing cabinet. Keep everything in the second drawer safe and see if you can get Marjorie to go with you. I I will, Ed. You can count on me. What's this? Time's up, Professor. You two, put him in the padded cell, number 209. Gentlemen, I think I can walk on my own. (laughs) Careful, not so rough. This has been Future Past, radio adaptations from the golden age of science fiction, presenting Edge of the Knife, written by H. Beam Piper. Adapted for radio by Barry M. Putt, Jr. In the cast were Michael O'Reilly as Ed Chalmers, David Johnson as Leonard Handley, Carl Wallaconis as Lloyd Whitburn, Valerie Leslie as Darce, Susan Herrick as Psychiatrist Hauserman, Claudia Cimini as Marjorie Fenner, and Amanda Zentz as Erica Dayton. Other parts played by members of the cast. I'm your announcer, Janice Gage. Edited by Jay Charles. Theme music for Future Past by Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Produced by Joseph C. McGuire. Recorded at KSVR Studios. This is a Radio Theater Project presentation.
Radio Theater Project. Theater of the Mind for today. Comedies and dramas, mysteries and science fiction, old stories and new. Radio Theater Project. Theater of the Mind for today. Radio Theater Project presents two plays. First is a future past episode based on an H. Beam Piper story set in his tarot human future history, followed by a short children's radio player's presentation, The Frog Who Loved to Jump. Now, Expedition on Mars. It's Future Past, stories adapted for radio from the golden age of science fiction. H. Beam Piper wrote his tarot-human future history stories and novels in a time span from modern times to thousands of years in the future. This is the story of an archaeological dig on Mars where a woman searches for the omnilingual to a dead language despite the scoffing of her fellow colleagues. Here's Expedition on Mars, adapted for radio by Barry M. Putt, Jr., What's the matter? My breathing mask isn't secure. Ah, there we go. Isn't the horizon amazing? Yeah, but these work hours aren't. They're worse than being in a forced labor camp back on Earth. Come on. How many people get to go to Mars, let alone be part of a first-rate archaeological team? Eh, not many. There's so much to discover here. You better hope you find it first. If Ivan does, he'll make sure his name is plastered all over the newscasts that get transmitted back to Earth. Notoriety isn't important knowledge is. Get a load of those old huts over there. I wonder who lived in them. And that oblong building there kind of looks like a financial center, doesn't it? Eh, could be. Why don't we go see what they brought into the lab today? You go. I need to get something to eat first. All right. I'll see you later. Amphipologic is a more precise word to use in the article. It's too technical. People won't understand what I'm talking about. Hello, Ivan. I'm glad this lab is oxygenated. It's nice to have a break from wearing these masks once in a while. That it is. Good luck with the piece you're writing. I'm a skilled archaeologist, Marta. I don't need luck. I'm going now. Okay. Hey, Salim, what's that you've got there? A 50,000-year-old mess. I hope Asashko can find some value in it when she analyzes it. I'll bring it over to her. Danke. Do you know which building will be worked on next? I've put in orders to start on the dome-shaped one. I hope something valuable is found there. We've wasted enough time on this planet already. What do you mean? We've uncovered lots of artifacts. But they have no meaning to us. The Martian vase perished here. We have to discover what caused that. More importantly, we need to gain insight into their culture. This can only be done by finding a key to understand their language. We'll get there. I'll have Sachiko get started on this. Danke. I'll see you later. Hi, Sachiko. Selim wanted me to... I put them on the top of the pile. That's some backlog. Tell me about it. I'd be glad to lend a hand until supper time. Sure. Where should I start? How about the piece Selim just gave you? All right. 
Hello, Martha. Sachiko told me you might still be here. These artifacts fascinate me. Commissary's closed. Really? Yeah, but I got you something to eat. Thanks. Are you getting anywhere? I've determined that this is a magazine and that this side is the cover. Huh, that's a start. But what do you make of those symbols there? Well, I'm just hypothesizing, but the long vertical ones look like vowels, and the short horizontal ones have sounds like ng or ch or sh. <laughs> You're definitely making progress, that's for sure. But there's no proof Martians actually sounded that way. It probably didn't. Without the true key to the language, you're just wasting time. Hello, Ivan. Even still, I have drawn some conclusions. So have I. You'd serve this expedition best if you stopped this foolishness and resume your duties on the deck. Oh, don't listen to him, Martha. I think you're on to something. Thanks. You got anything else? Maybe. These three words at the top of this page are over and underlined, which seems to be the Martian method of capitalization. Must had Norford... Tadavas Sornhulva. I've seen those before. Really? Where? On some other literature, Mashar is a fairly common word and so is Norvod. The V-O-D is a suffix. Davas is a word too. And T-A is a common prefix. It's similar to German. It, it seems that when the Martians needed a new word, they just pasted a couple of old ones together. <laughs> Sounds like an etymologic nightmare to me. I'll say... Over here is the issue number, 1062. It's for Doma, which might be a Martian month. Huh, interesting. That's as far as I got. Well, keep at it. I intend to. But after you've had supper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it's good to have a break. Anything exciting going on out there today? Yeah, Major SL arrived. That's pretty much it. Is that her over there? Uh, I think so. I'd really like to meet Don't her. tell me that Dane girl actually discovered something. Yes, the name of one of the Martian months. Not Doma. How did you know? It's been on our radar forever. It's probably another wild goose chase, which is more proof that civilians shouldn't work here, especially untalented ones. No way. Come on. Excuse me, Major. I'm Martha Dane. Ah, oui. I've heard about your work. Criticized it without real knowledge is more like it. I base all my opinions on fact, Miss Dane. That's what the public wants in their newscasts, and that's what science demands in their reports, not speculation. Uh, that's Dr. Dane. So what you mean is that my work doesn't have the publicity value that digging up statues does? What I mean is you're trying to find something that doesn't exist. If one person slips up here, it could discredit the entire expedition in the public eye. I find that hard to believe. It's been proven. We'll have to wait and see just what remains to be proven, Major. Now, won't we? There's really no reason to wait. You're going to fail. That remains to be seen. It sure does. Come on, Martha. Break time's over. This place is enormous. I'll say. I'm glad we're getting the first crack at it. Me too. It has a feel like a car, doesn't it? Hmm. But the furnishings are so unusual. Look at that funky table over there. I wonder what it's made of. I'd love to test it and find out. <laughs> Always the mad scientist. Not mad, just curious. It looks like an important discovery, Sashko. I'll find some men to bring it to the lab for you. Thank you, sir. Hey, guys. Shine your lights on that wall. Where? Over there. See? No. Rick, where are you going? Don't mind him. Where in the world do you mean? 
Way up there. Oh yeah, look at those funny devices. I wonder what they're used for. You got me. Hey guys, check this room out. Whoa, incredible. From the looks of it, I'd say Sachiko's right. This is a college and we're in one of the classrooms. Yeah, it could be. Look at that word mounted near the ceiling. I wonder if it's the name of the subject taught here. It might be. Hmm. Those devices we saw in the hall could be part of an AVPA system. Good deduction. You know, a 25-story building like this could easily handle 30,000 students. I don't think you can hold that much, Martha. Table's been moved, Sashko. Great. Why don't we spread out and search? All right. I'll take this floor. Okay, if I go with you? As long as you don't wander off again. All right, I won't. I'll look over the floor above this one. I look sober as a basement. Good. We'll meet back here at break time. Okay. So, where to first, boss? Let's head in this direction and see where it takes us. Sounds good to me. You lead the way. Feels like we've been walking forever. Tell me about it. I can't get over all the dust. It seems to be blowing in the direction we're heading. I think we found the elevators. Yeah. Look at them. They're so narrow, and there's some writing above them. I, I can't make it out, though. It looks like it says Darfhulva. Darf What's that mean? I'm not sure. Rick, Marta, is that you? Hello, Ivan. Yes, it's us. What are you doing here? Salim told me this building was being started on today. I wanted to see how you were progressing. Holy cow, look at that huge mural up there. Yeah, it's a group of aboriginals squatting around a fire. And over there are some hunters with bows and spears carrying an animal carcass that looks like a pig. This section has some ships with sails and an aircraft. The history must have been very important to them. I'll bet Darfulva means history. Yeah, good reasoning. The magazine in the lab was called Sornhuva. Hey, you have a word, Martha. It's a start. Hulva could mean something like science or knowledge, and Darf could mean the past. Hey, that gives you three words. You did it. Not so fast. I'll admit Hulva might be a general word, and Darf could modify it. But as for the signing of specific meanings... That's impossible, because we don't know how the Martians thought scientifically. I respectfully disagree. The proof is on these walls. The history is, not the language. I'll bet there's murals on other floors. They might give us the proof we need. Let's head to another floor. Sure, good idea. I think I'll see what the others are doing. All right, we'll see you later. Come on, Rick. Hey, Martha, you were right. There are murals here. Look! Yeah, and... There's that word again, Sornhulva, right near a room. Huh, looks like a science lab. Check out all those tubes over there. Well, if Hulva means science, then Sorn could mean matter or substance or physical object. Huh, sounds right to me. Thank goodness we lost Ivan. His problem is that he wants to be a big shot. He can't bear the thought of anyone knowing more than him. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Let's look down this way. Huh, wonder what this place was used for. Shackles? A barred door? Looks like a security room. Is, is someone there? Oh, hi. Could you turn that light off, please? Sorry, Masa. Sachiko, is that you? Yes, I'm glad we met up. How's it going? We found a science lab. I found a switch system. 
It's pretty complex. Runs all along the perimeter. Really? Find any papers or pictures? Unfortunately not. Okay. Have you explored that end of the corridor yet? I was just about to. We'll join you. Look up there. Have you ever seen so many books? Never. Sachiko, can you reach them? They are too high. We'll come back. Let's see what's in this adjoining room. Ivan, what are you doing in here? Archaeological research, of course. What do you think of my discovery? It looks like a lot of broken furniture and appliances. The meaning behind them is what is important. What is that meaning? Electricity, refrigerators full of food, ovens, a water-spotted sink. It's proof life was here. It's a great start. Of course it is. We need to earthenize this building so we can begin intense study immediately. Certainly. I'm going to talk to Selim about getting the ball rolling on this earthenization. Out of my way. He sure is something. I'll say. Sorry I'm late. That's okay. Rough night? Yeah. Find anything interesting? Possibly. Like what? This room itself. Look around. It's like all the action suddenly stopped. Huh? What do you mean? Well, there's a partially cut through vase over there with a hacksaw still in it. Yeah, that's weird. And a half-written manuscript on that desk with a writing utensil beside it. It's as if the writer got up meaning to return and finish it, but never did. Huh. Where'd they go? That's the question. Confronting the answer worries me. Why is that? Well, I'm beginning to think that the Martians never left this place, that they're still here with us, watching disapprovingly. Ooh, that's kind of an eerie thought. But it's something we need to get to the bottom of. Mm, Yeah. If the Martians here were the last on the planet, what happened to them? And why haven't we found their bones or a burial site? Hmm, good questions. We'll have to keep looking to find the answers. We sure will. Hi, Masa. It's been a few days. How have you been? Pretty busy. This is the first break I've had all day. Same here. Have you heard any updates on the generator installation or the oxygenation of this building? Adding air means getting the native generators to work. They tried to fix the rotors in order to install the generators, but key components were missing. Really? That explains why the Martians left. With no power, this place would be uninhabitable. True. But why did they barricade the doors from inside? Probably to keep others from breaking in and looting. Last man out must have barred the door. That was a long break. I'm entitled every so often. (laughs) I'm only joking. There's so much to look through. Martians sure were pack rats. Just like us. Mm, Yeah. Hey, get a load of this. It looks like a calendar. How can you tell? Okay. It takes Mars two Earth years to go around the Sun. And this chart is divided into 11 blocks, each containing 70 sections or days. Do the math. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I I, I knew that. One of the months is labeled Doma. Another is called Nora. That was part of the name of the scientific journal we looked at in the lab. That's right. We're getting closer. Sure are. What's in this room? I don't know. Let's go see. Hmm. The door won't budge. You sure? Maybe we can get somebody to help open it. How about that maintenance worker, Sid? He's... Lake, you won't believe it. What is it, Sachiko? Ivan found the Marsans. Where? On the north side. That's wonderful. Come on. Let's get over there.
Look at this place. Reporters are on their way to interview me for tonight's newscast as we speak. It certainly is an important discovery, Ivan. Mind if we step inside for a closer look? Of course not. Whoa, there's a lot of them. Looks like 18. Men and women. And they've been sitting at the table for at least 50 millennia. Whoa, they must have been partying. Look at all those cups and bottles. My suicide is more like it. Could be. There's no doubt about it. The vent over there is plugged with rags. It looks like they drank together till they passed out. But why? The only way to know that is to read up on their culture, and we can't do that now, can we? Excuse me, Dr. Fitzgerald. I'm from the newsroom. We need to interview you now in order to make the evening broadcast. Certainly. This is Dr. Ivan Fitzgerald, the researcher who recently discovered life on Mars. Doctor, how does it make you feel to find such a major discovery? Very enthusiastic about my work. You know, this is the most substantial archaeological find since Howard Carter uncovered the tomb of Tutankhamun in the 1920s. <laughs> Barf. Hmm. Let's find Sid and see if he can open that door. All right. I'm going to stay and look around. I'll catch up with you. Okay. We really appreciate your help, Sid. Yeah, well, how much further is it? It's right over there. Jam tight as a clam. Can we do anything? Yes, stand back. You're getting it. <sighs> Thanks. And that's all. Yeah. All right, see ya. Whoa, Martha, get a load of all this stuff. It looks like some sort of high-tech science lab. Yeah, from these diagrams, they were working on the bohr atom. Look again. It's a uranium atom. Is it really? Mm-hmm. That means they knew about atomic energy. Oh, Sashko said I'd find you here. Made any progress yet? Hello, Samim. We're working on it. But we found some uranium. And this chart. Look at the two columns. There are 46 items in each. Uranium is near the top, probably because it's the largest of the natural atoms. 46 times 2 is 92. Yeah, that's it. There are 92 items in this chart. Hydrogen is the first on the Earth chart. Here it's called Sarfaldsorn. What's number 2? Helium. Okay, that's called Tierfaldsorn. I wonder if this is a table of elements. Could be. If we could only figure out what those squiggles mean. They look like a decimal system, same as we use on Earth. Hmm. And if this is a table of elements... All we need are the numbers. Okay, 92 items numbered consecutively. The first number is the atomic number, followed by the name of the element, then the atomic weight. We know hydrogen and helium. What's Tierfaldavis, the third one? Lithium. Right, but atomic weights aren't run out past the decimal. Hydrogen's one plus. Of course. This hook symbol could be a plus sign. And... If this knife-like thing is a minus sign, hmm, the fourth element, Kiridavas, what's that? Beryllium. Right. Its atomic weight, given here as 9.02. Hey, Martha, you're reading Martian. Maybe. I don't get the two items after the atomic weight. They look like months on the Martian calendar. The information after the atomic weight should be the period and group number. But those are words. What would the numbers be for the first one, hydrogen? Period one, group one. 
One electron in the shell, one electron in the outer shell. Helium's period one, too, but it has the outer electron shell full, so it's in the group of inert elements. That's just true. Trav, trav. Trav's the first month, and helium's trav. Yenth is the eighth month. You know, the inert elements could be called group eight. And the third element, lithium, is period two, group one. That check? Yeah, that does. Sanf, trav. Sanf's the second month. What's the first element in period three? Sodium, number 11. Yeah, that's right. It's krav, trav. The names of the months are just numbers, one to 11, spelled out. Well, doma's the fifth month. That was your first Martian word, Martha. Right, the word for five. And if dava is a word for metal, and sornuva is chemistry and or physics... I'll bet Tadava Sonuva literally translates as of metal matter knowledge. In other words, metallurgy. Hmm. I wonder if Mastharnavod means something like journal or review or maybe even quarterly. It could be the year number 10. This is really it. I can't wait to see Ivan's face when he hears this. It sure will trump his news on the telecast tonight. Take it easy, guys. This is just a beginning. It'll take years before we can actually read books. It will go faster than that, Martha. All the knowledge on this planet is about to be at our fingertips. Biology, physics, and mechanics. Yeah, I better brush up on my quantum mechanics then. Hey guys, sorry for the delay. Hey, you're just in time to hear the good news. Martha discovered the key to reading Martian. Really? Yeah, it's all based on the table of elements. Wonderful. But how do you know their table is anything like ours? We've tested them, and they're both identical. You really did it, Martha. It looks like physical science is a universal language. Now we can uncover the mysteries of this planet. We certainly can. And it's all thanks to you, Martha. It's all thanks to you. This has been Future Past, radio adaptations from the golden age of science fiction, presenting Expedition on Mars by H. Beam Piper. Adapted for radio from the short story Omnilingual by Barry M. Putt, Jr. In the cast were Claudia Cimini as Martha Dane, Dave Johnson as Rick Iverson, Michael O'Reilly as Evan Fitzgerald, Amanda Zentz as Major Isil, Mana Kirita as Sachiko Korimitsu, Carl Walyukonis as Selim von Olmhorst, Joseph McGuire as Sid Chamberlain, other parts played by members of the cast. I'm your announcer, Janice Gage. Edited by Jay Charles. Theme music for Future Past by Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Produced by Joseph C. McGuire. Recorded at KSVR Studios. This is a Radio Theater Project presentation. The Children's Radio Players is a group dedicated to performing radio plays for the young. This time, a story about growing up. Here's The Frog Who Loved to Jump. Jack the Jumper is a young, strong frog who lives by the pond with his mother. He loves to jump very high and sometimes gets into trouble, landing in tree branches and such, when he's not a tree frog at all. Jack's mother loves to tell him stories. But he's so jumpy and fast, sometimes she likes to tease him and slow him down a bit. She loves the little jumper and wants him to do some things all by himself. 
but she also wants him to learn things and to be safe. Let's peek in and see what story she's telling him today. Come on over here, through this grass here. Shh, we'll just squat down on these stones. Now, don't get your feet wet. Mama, tell me a story. Tell it now. Tell me about when I was little. Come on, tell me. Tell me. Now, now, Jack, that was a long, long time ago. Let me see if I can remember. Well, when you were little, if I remember right, you were nothing like you are now. Really? Now I'm a big boy and I can jump over anything. I can catch the fastest fly and I can swim all the way across the pond. But when you were first hatched, you couldn't jump at all. Oh, really? And... You didn't even like to eat flies when you were little. Oh, really? That's weird, because flies are my all-time favorite, great favorite. And even though you could swim, you never wanted to. You just clung in a close, tight group with all your brothers and sisters. The whole bunch of you were so timid. You stuck to the edge of the pond and nibbled on moss all the time. Ew, that's gross. Why would I eat moss? Yuck, are you sure? Yes, son, I'm quite sure. In fact, this will surprise you. You weren't even green back then. No? Yes. Really? It's true. You were black, just like your brothers and sisters. And if one of you moved, the rest of you moved right along with them, always together. Well, that's weird, too. Because I'm very independent now, right? I mean, I'm really brave. And I love to go everywhere and higher and higher and higher and jump to the sky all by myself. I'm never afraid now. Yes, son, I'm glad you like to do things. But, you know, sometimes it would be good to look before you leap, you know, maybe have a plan. Well, and sometimes ask for help or, you know, be careful. Oh, mom, tell me more. Tell me more. Was I cute? Was I strong? Was I smart? Hmm, let's see now. You can remember, Mama. Think about it. Tell me. Tell me. Well, I seem to remember a boy with a tail. A what? A tail? I I don't have a tail, do I? (laughs) No, dear, not anymore. All the tail got used up to grow your four legs and your handsome webbed feet. What? I didn't have any feet? Nope. Not at first. But you didn't need them as a baby. Babies don't walk, and you were quite happy in the water in a cluster of babies. But but, uh, did, how did I swim without webbed feet? The tail, silly, remember? Wow, being a big boy sure is different from being a baby, isn't it? Well, Jack, that's true. In some ways, it's very different. You move differently and talk differently, and you need someone to take care of you all the time when you're a baby. And when you're a big boy, you jump strong and high and swim strong and swift. Do everything for yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, not everything, Jack. You know, even when you're a big boy or old, say, as old as a mama even, you still need others to share memories with, to cuddle with, to have fun with, and to teach each other. Well, I suppose that's true, Mama. At least you taught me something, and I couldn't remember being a baby, but now that I remember, if you forget sometime, I can tell the story. And I do like cuddling sometimes, but I also have a lot of fun this morning with you. And you haven't even been jumping around much or swimming at all. 
See you later, Mama. I'm going to catch some juicy flies. See you later, sweetheart. Have fun. This has been Radio Theater Project, an anthology of modern radio theater, presented by KSVR Studios. Radio Theater Project. Theater of the Mind for today. And that's this week's show. Thanks so much for joining us all season long. Yes, thanks so much to all the listeners and producers, writers and fans of audio drama. We wouldn't exist without you. And thank you, David. You make every episode a joy to look forward to. I really appreciate our continued partnership and friendship. It's a pleasure. The Sonic Society has been the best place to find not just new audio drama, but great friends and family. And if you want to write to us as friend or family member, by all means, contact us through the myriad of ways, be they the SonicSociety.org, Twitter, the Facebook group, Audio Drama Radio Drama Lovers on Facebook, Sonic Society on Facebook, and of course, our parent company, Evaikuna.com. Thank you, Jack. It is an honor to be serving on the Sonic Society with you. So now, be prepared for a special bonus extra on this feed later this week, and beginning next week, Sonic Summerstock Playhouse 2017. I can't wait. Until then, I'm Jack Ward. And I'm David Alt. Good night, and we'll hear you soon. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Hello, I'm John Bell of Bells in the Bat Free. It's a comedy podcast. Fridays and every other Sunday. Well, anyway, back in episode five of Bells in the Bat Free, we introduced the cowlets, tiny little cows. Where did all these cats come from? They're not cats, they're cows, and they're heading toward the water cooler. Stop it before... Now you can display your love of these tiny cows with genuine cowlet t-shirts. You know what's really fun to do with these shirts? Get a whole bunch of people to buy them. Then you all gather together and run down the street. People will see these cowlets coming toward them and think it's a stampede. You think that would really work, Brad? Shh, I'm pushing for bulk sales here. You can also get cowlet mugs, clocks, and other items. Just go to thebatfree.com and click on shop. This is a limited time offer. No, it's not. You just do not not understand advertising, do you? Get your merchandise today with the official Cowlet design created by Jeff Music. Buying lots of them would bring music to my ears. Oh, stop. Stop.